What's up, guys? Rick here with your betting and one-and-done preview for this week's Valero Texas Open. In this video, we're going to go through outright winners, some options from the tournament simulator, this event that I simulated 1,000 times. We're going to look at head-to-head matchups, see if there's any value there. We're going to talk about one-and-done results and standings and then strategy for this week trying to think what else there is uh live chats wednesday two of them 3 p.m eastern time on the rick run good youtube channel that is the valero texas open live chat standard uh as we do every week ownership weather all that good stuff and then the jock market power hour 8 15 p.m eastern time on the rick run good youtube channel that is stock market dfs it is a ton of fun all right let's just stop it there let's go to the let's go to the bets and one and done all right, so on Monday, it happened again. And what I'm showing you is the, the tournament predictor. This is the tool on, on rickrungood.com that simulates the event 1,000 times and looks at the results, and then we compare it to the Vegas odds, and we see if there is any value. Uh, Dustin Johnson withdraws. So he opened up at 7-1. to one. He was the favorite to win this event. Uh, odds had already come out. Pricing had already come out on uh, on, on DraftKings, at least for, for DFS purposes. And he's out. So now where we stand is Tony Finau at 11 to 1 is your favorite. Jordan Spieth right behind at 12 to 1. Scotty Scheffler at 14. And then you get Corey Connors, Hideki Matsuyama at 18. Um, the movement was essentially, uh, by by my tracking, about two points for every single guy. I think Finau went from 13 to 11. Spieth went from 14 to 12. Uh, Scheffler from 16 to 14, etc. cetera, uh, down to... Uh, basically just, I think, the maybe Abraham answer. It's not like the entire field got moved, but uh, the big boys each got uh, two points shaved off their number. It's, you know, we've now seen this, um, I want to say, three or four times in the last two months or so, three months or so. Uh, we had John Rahm, I believe, withdraw from a field. We had uh, DJ now twice withdraw from a field as the favorite, as as historically short. In some cases at Pebble Beach, it was historically short. And being able to uh, maybe fire in a bet on Monday uh, in, in the few minutes after that news comes out is incredibly valuable. But I found myself, if, if I want to bet a favorite. If I want to bet one of like the five shortest guys in the field, I've found myself doing that more often Monday morning than I ever have in the past. And th- because if if you are going to bet, you know, say you like Jordan Spieth this weekend, I mean, some places I think had him at like 16 to one. Now he's down to 12 after the DJ news. You know, if you would have gotten him at 16, um, you get this built-in value. So I don't think you have to do that for, for every single bet you want to make. But I think if you're, if you're going to bet one of the top guys, I lean doing it more earlier because you might you might get something like this that happens, and if it doesn't, you, you still have the guy that you want, the number that you that you thought was good. So I don't think there's any harm in it. Uh, looking at this week and looking at the tournament simulator, so I, I was a little bit surprised with the results, but I can try to explain what I think happened here. Um, Hideki Matsuyama and Tony Finau are two guys who win this tournament in my simulator over ten percent of the time. The big one being Hideki because the 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 18 to 1 number that you can get on Hideki Matsuyama, it implies that he's going to win this golf tournament 5.4% of the time. Well, he won my simulations uh twice that, right? Twice as often 10.7 and the simulator does a lot of things. It likes volatility. 
which is good for Hideki. It's good for, like, you see some of these names pop up kind of often. Like, Sepp Straka is always on this list because he's incredibly volatile. The, 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 the model likes volatility because you have to have a ceiling week uh, to win a golf tournament, to actually win. So it likes volatility in that sense, and it also tries to identify trends a little bit and try to identify guys that are rounding the corner and laying the blueprint. So let me show you Hideki Matsuyama's uh, strokes gain numbers here. So this is just from the Holy Grail. You can go and look at his logs for every single tournament. And after this stretch of golf from call it, let's call it the start of 2021 for his first five starts or so, he wasn't really great with the irons. And then what you're starting to see is this trend where he is gaining strokes on approach again, two or three, almost four a week for the last four weeks. And and the putter, which is the one thing that has historically held Hideki Matsuyama back, is getting better. He's gained strokes in three of four, or I'm sorry, three of five. Four of them, if you add in the fourth, uh, it was basically a zero putter that week. And then in the bad putting week at the players, that was just two rounds. He lost 1.7. So I think what the model is seeing here, or what the what the simulator is seeing, is a guy who is uh, fairly volatile, which which helps his number, and then also starting to lay the blueprint for the way that he could get to victory. You know, like, let's be real. Some of these guys and their paths to victory are are pretty small. Um, You look at someone like, I don't want to pick a name, but there are definitely guys who, you know, if they're going to win a golf tournament, they're going to have to uh, gain 12 shots uh, putting or something like that. And that's just, it's just not going to happen. It's just, it's just never going to happen. So the, the, the model understands the different routes for these players to get there. And it must really like the path that Hideki is laying, which I think is interesting. Cause I think that's, I think that's more realistic than just saying, Hey, he's a good golfer. He's going to win this 10% of the time or whatever. It's, it's what is Hideki's actual path to get there? Uh, Finau's path is, has, has always been very, very clear. It's, it's what he has done countless times in his career to put himself on the first page of the leaderboard, what, 45 times in the last five years. Uh, and, and he just needs to get a Sunday that goes his way or a week that goes his way. I mean, he's got plenty of top five finishes. He's got plenty of top 10 finishes. He's got plenty of runner-up finishes. He, it's just the, the model, of course, loves that because he's put himself in position uh, countless times. The one that I thought was interesting, uh, pretty down on Spieth. You know, 4.2% in in my simulations, uh, paying the price on him at now. I mean, even it's actually even worse now. So because he's because he's 12 to one, the model has him at 14. Um, you, there's there's negative expected value there. He's not winning the golf tournament as much as uh, you would like him to. Uh, at least in my simulations, you don't have to you know you don't have to bend the knee to the simulations. You can go do whatever you want. Uh, but it, it it has concerns over. Jordan Spieth winning this golf tournament enough, and that really is is probably due in part to the fact that uh, he hasn't won in four years, right? Like that's that that's the problem. Um, you know, Tony Finau has has a similar problem, but he has contended uh, countless times uh, since since the last time that he won, and, and and quite frankly, since the last time Jordan Spieth has won. So they're they're different the model treats them differently and and Jordan Spieth does not get a very uh preferable number here at least in terms of the model but the model's also longer term if you like what you've seen from Jordan Spieth in in you know since the farmers which is really when he has turned things around and you think that's enough to bet and and you're not 
thinking it's a look ahead week because of the Masters or anything like that, uh, then then go out and bet it. You know, don't you don't have to follow this. This is this is really just a, a blueprint, a guideline. Uh, you don't have to follow. Maybe a blueprint you should follow exactly, but this is like an an outline, a guideline. You don't have to follow it exactly. So here's what I did personally. Um, I did get a bet in on Spieth at 16 before the number moved, so I was kind of locked into that. Uh, then what I went down to do is, at, and he's still hanging at 40, 41, is Brendan Steele. Um, you know, this this to me, I don't know if he's going to win this golf tournament, but you talk about what the path for his for his success is, and he's, he's showing it to us. Uh, he's been excellent in 2021. He's got these eight consecutive cuts made. He's got the two top four finishes, one in his first start at uh, of the year and one in his most recent. So that's the Sony Open and the Honda Classic. He has won this event before. He's had two more top tens since. I'm I'm in a week where I think we're going to get a lot of course history love for guys like um, Charlie Hoffman, for even Corey Connors, our defending champion, for uh, Chris Kirk. Brendan Steele has that great course history and is hanging a, a 41 to one number that that is uh when i was scrolling through this on monday loved it still love it hasn't moved i uh, i i think that is the best of these kind of mid-tier plays um you know before you start getting to the 50s and into the longer shots and things like that i recorded um the first cup podcast that's the cbs sports podcast that i host on monday and and sia najad uh who was on pointed out john huh and he's 70 to one and i and i wanted to do a deeper dive after sia had brought him up and if and the reason that he came up is because we 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 you know we sorted the holy grail and we looked at guys from uh just the start of of the calendar year of 2021 and we sorted by uh, of strokes gained t to green and john huh was like the the third or fifth best player in this field, something like that. So I went back and I started looking. I'm like, okay, what is he? What is he doing? Yeah, okay, yeah, he is playing really well from tee to green. He's gaining, he's gaining a bunch of strokes off the tee. He hasn't lost strokes off the tee since Houston. Uh, he's he's got a couple of weeks where he can get kind of nuclear with the with the irons. The around the green game has been strong, and it's the putter that's let him down. Um, so I would not necessarily like John Hunt as a potentially winning option, but I think where you could really get a decent number on him is in the top 20 market. So I see him currently at two and a half to one to finish inside the top 20. That's something that he's been doing fairly often in this calendar year. Or if you think even even more highly of him, he's five and a half to one in the top 10 market. I'm not as bullish on the top 10 market. I think the top 20 market is something that he's much more comfortable with. I mean, since the Shriners, which was... Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine events ago, he's finished inside the top 20 five times. So five of his last nine, he's finished. Well, one of them was a 21st, but you get my point. Like top 20 uh, in five of his last nine, laying the blueprint. The problem is if he's going to putt like this, if he's going to lose two or three strokes putting, um, that's really going to cap his upside, which worries me about the top 10 stuff. But the top 20, I think, is much more reasonable at, what did I say, two and a half to one. There's also guys a little bit deeper. Um, I did put a bet in on Andrew Putnam, who is, you know, Andrew Putnam's just been Putnam, right? Like, that's what he does. He just he just rolls the rock. Uh, but he's starting to get better in some of these other categories, right? So we're starting to see the ball striking come around a little bit. I mean, if you look at this stretch of golf from the Sony Open in 2020 to the Shriners in 2020, that was 10 months, 10 months. He gained strokes ball striking twice. And most weeks he was just hemorrhaging strokes all over the place. Now, 
the end of 2020, it looks like he found something. Uh, he was starting to become an average ball striker, tour average. Lost a little bit here in the start of 2021. Now he's starting to turn it around again. He was great at API. Uh, he actually hit it well at the players and l- missed the cut uh, by losing strokes putting, which is something he's not necessarily going to do. So I think he's starting to turn the corner. This is this is kind of similar to what we saw uh, when Denny McCarthy started playing really well, uh, like after the 3M Open last year, is you're starting to see signs of a guy who is historically bad in one or two categories starting to turn that around, and you're wondering, okay, can he put all of that together to get a high finish? Well, Putnam's got three top tens in his last six starts. Uh, and, and and what I really like about his top tens is they're kind of all different. You get a desert course at Phoenix. You get a, a Puerto Rico Open, which is just your absolute tropical course, uh, easy you know easy field. And then you get API, which is deep field, uh, difficult golf course. So to see him do it in in all situations is impressive, and I think it is a, a real testament to what he's doing with his game right now. So uh, not normally the type of guy that I that I invest in is Andrew Putnam, but for this week at eighty to one, and I actually got him. Uh, I sprinkled an eighty. Like I, I'm not I'm I'm not super stoked about it, but I uh, I made a larger bet on his top ten number, which is six and a half to one. And then finally, I haven't bet this yet, but um, Sam Ryder's hanging a hundred to one number. And he's hanging a uh, a nine to one top ten. He's coming off back to back top tens, and I'm just wondering if here's uh, here's his round. I guess I should show you by tournament instead of round by round. We don't know what he did at Punta Cana because there's no shot link data there, but he finished runner up. Uh, what he did at Honda would be the absolute blueprint. Like if there, if I could just just copy and paste this. Every single week for all of my golfers, this is the exact guy that I would want to invest in. Gains a ton on approach. Gains a little bit off the tee. Gains a little bit around the green. Gains a little bit with the putter. Like, that is, it's absolutely perfect. I I, I smile when I see something like this. And he's been a pretty decent ball striker over the course of the past couple of months. So he might be in the midst of a real hot stretch right now. Really strong game. And, and I would have expected... You know, he could have easily have been shorter than Andrew Putnam. If he was seventy to one, I would be like, yeah, okay, that makes that makes sense. A uh, hundred to one, which then of course trickles into his top five, his top ten, his top twenty numbers. So I think that because the outright number is longer than it should be, the rest of these numbers are probably longer than they should be too. All right, let's do matchups. Uh, this is the head-to-head matchup simulator. Um, so this just compares two golfers over a four-round um, tournament and, and says how often is each golfer going to win. And the one that just like I've got to see what the result of this one is. It's Matt Kuchar versus Charles Howell III. Matt Kuchar has been poor. Wow, still better, still better than Charles Howell III. I'm shocked by this. So I went back to the start of 2020. That means CH3 has not played all that well. You can see they're kind of trending in different directions a little bit. You know, Matt Kuchar still has not had a top, uh, I think it's a top 10 in a stroke play event since since Genesis um, 2020 which would have been over a year ago. Now Charles Howe third. I guess he hasn't played as well as I thought he would. So I still have Kuchar uh, winning this 52.5% of the time. Probably not enough to bet, although I'm not a big fan of Kuchar this week after playing seven rounds over the course of five days. This one's interesting. Lonto Griffin versus Chris Kirk. I'm a big Lonto fan. Uh, didn't play well at the match play. Kirk didn't play the match play. And Kirk has been... Really good recently and really good here. Yeah, 
I've got Kirk. You can see they're kind of similar until recently, until essentially the end of 2020 into the start of 2021. Chris Kirk has been phenomenal. And I have been winning this matchup 58% of the time. I have his projected money line at minus 142. He's actually the dog on DraftKings. He is minus 110 to Lonto Griffin's minus 120. So that would be a bet for me on the Chris Kirk side. And let me see if I can find one more of these. How about two guys that need to win to get in to the Masters? Ricky Fowler, Ricky Fowler versus Joel Damon. Damon just coming off of a victory. All right, here we go. I've got this dead even. Wow. I mean, Damon's been really, really sour, um, especially, you know, kind of after the restart last year. Struggled. He had missed, you know, three or four cuts in a row. Fowler hasn't been all that good either, but I've got it at almost a complete coin flip. Let me see if I can find one more real quick. Connors versus Scheffler could be interesting. Our defending champion versus a guy who just made a deep run in the match play. I have Scheffler winning this 54% of the time. He should be minus 120, and that's basically what he is on DraftKings. So, okay, so I think we've got uh, one bet out of this, Kirk over Lonto, and then, um, you, you know, you can plug in the rest of these if you want. One and done update. Let's do it. Dell Technologies in the books. Uh, that was the first event of segment one. So this is the second event. Or I'm sorry. First event of segment three. Uh, so Valero is the second event. I will update the standings. I'll add a spot for segment three in here as well. But overall standings, we've got uh, a handful of guys over $9 million. Remember, we started at the Safeway Open. We started at the beginning of the season. Uh, Chappy Chaps in the lead. Caster Joshua, Nash the Flash, Ugri, and Graybo all over $9 million. I'm lurking. I'm in 17th. I'm lurking. I'm coming for you guys. Uh, I just got to have another big week here shortly. So what are we going to do this week for one and done? Well, um, it is not necessarily a huge purse. I think it's 7.7 million with the winner probably getting, call it 1.2, 1.3. And I suspect that with the great course history uh, is going to be a lot of chalk on that side. I think you're going to get a lot of yeah, I think you're going to get a lot of this. Like Corey Connors, your defending champion, who's averaging you know seven hundred thousand uh, dollars per start here at at um, TPC San Antonio, or Charlie Hoffman, who has you know is now making his uh, is this his fourteenth? I actually thought this was his fifteenth start. Um, you know, has never missed a cut, has has won this event, is has been has been phenomenal, and he's playing well. I think Charlie Hoffman is going to get a lot of run. Um, I'm I'm generally the kind of guy who likes to keep the foot on the pedal. I'm I'm really considering running out Spieth here. Uh, you know, he is playing great. The field got much weaker with Dustin Johnson's withdrawal. I don't know if people are going to save Spieth for next week. I'm I'm not. I'm not gonna play Spieth next week at the Masters. Um, so if you're if you're saving him, I guess I understand. But he might have a he might have more win equity in it with a smaller purse in a field that is uh, significantly weaker. This week, um, you know, he might if you ran this a million times, he might average like three hundred thousand dollars here and he might average like two hundred thousand at the Masters, even though it's a bigger purse, but it's a deeper field. So um, if I don't go with one of the kind of chalky guys and the chalky guys like I, I might roll out steel like steel Kirk. Uh, Hoffman are all, I think, fine. I think Hoffman's going to be too popular. So I would probably take either Kirk or Steel. If I'm feeling really frisky, I will take uh, Spieth. If I'm feeling even friskier than that, 
I haven't used Hideki yet, I don't think. And uh, we're kind of pa- – I think we're kind of past where Hideki's natural uh, natural spots are, which would be like waste management we're past. Um, I, I, I would – that would be a bit of a flyer for me because I'm trying to be early on Hideki. But I think Kirk, Steele, Hoffman, even Palmer, and then depending on what you're going to do with Spieth, Spieth is a viable option. Connors will be popular too, but I, I, I think – I don't think I need to play Connors. I think that's it. Let me know what you're going to do this week. Uh, tweet me, at Rick Rungood. Leave a comment below. Um, yeah, best of luck. Talk to you guys soon.